Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. Hey there. In this episode of Get Your Book Seen and Sold podcast, I interview two authors who wrote a book together. Their names are Jenny Judson and Daniel Mafood. And they wrote a book called The Last Season. And I wanted to include it in Get Your Book Seen and Sold because they went with a hybrid publisher. And it's hybrid in the sense that they do everything that you need to have done to publish the book in terms of interior design, creating an ebook. Um, all the interior things that you need, like the ISBN number and the CIP information. They do a lot of the technical stuff, the um, actual book cover. They handle a lot of all that great stuff for you. Um, But you, as an author, do not get a author advance, which is something that traditional publishers generally give. So it's kind of nice for the authors because they don't get that initial author advance, but they also don't have to put out a lot of money like a self-publisher would to actually create an interior and exterior design of the book and do a lot of the technical aspects of publishing the book. And then once the book actually sells, and it can be ebook or it can be a print, then the, the author's will make money on book sales. So they will get their royalty. So there's so much interest in hybrid publishing. There are so many different hybrid publishers out there and what they offer. So it's really well for Danny and Jenny and their book, The Last Season. The other thing that I thought was terrific about this interview was just the excitement that they both have at having put out their first book. They talk about how they came up with the idea, how they worked together in order to create the book, uh, how excited they were to be new authors, and what their plan is for their next book. So I was hoping that it would be an encouraging and motivating podcast for you, the aspiring author who wants to get their book seen and sold. So enjoy this interview. I'll have the information about their book and their website in the show notes, and I will be posting more information soon. Thanks so much. Enjoy. With us today are authors Jenny Judson and Danielle Mafood. You can find them at their website, Danny, D-A-N-I, and spell it out, Jenny.com. They are authors of a brand new book that I ripped through, and I hope you will pick it up. I absolutely loved it. It's called The Last Season, and you can pick it up wherever books are sold. So congratulations. The two of these gals wrote this book. It's romantic, it's interesting, and it's charming. We're going to talk about it. It's described as historical fiction, and there are two main characters, Cassie and Crispin. And what makes us love them so much, you guys? (laughs) Thanks for having us. Um, We're excited to be here. Uh, 
I think, you know, when we wrote them, we, we wanted them to be, you know, real people with flaws and foibles and dreams and, you know, all those all those things that make us human. And so they're not um, they're they are a romantic pair, but they're they're human and they're flawed and they love both of them really love their fathers. They love their family and, and they're um they feel these deep obligations to their family. And I think that that is a very um, universal feeling. So that's part of why we, why we fell in love with them ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I would also say, you know, I mean, Jenny and I are friends and we wrote, we wrote two characters that we would want to be friends with. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> that's a little bit, I think of why, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the readers can relate to the characters. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I felt a little um, Age of Innocency when I read it, Edith Wharton's book. Um, but it, the characters uh, were a little they're more real to me. They, they each maintain their individuality, which is also kind of hard to do, especially when you're writing something that's romantic. How are you able to do that? Because they, they really aren't dependent on each other. They have their own story and they have their own dreams and goals. And yet they, they fit together so well, too. I think that was important to us, actually, is that they each had their own story. Um, and what you'll see is um, <clears throat> because it's more of a modern, it reads in more modern fashion. You can tell my <laughs> throat is not cooperating with me today. It reads in a more modern fashion than books of that time. So we even say The Age of Innocence because obviously um, that book is very steeped in its own history. But <clears throat> what I would say is, um, you know, being modern women, we wrote a female character that is strong or becomes strong over the course of the novel. Um, we wanted them to have their separate stories, just like, you know, we had our separate lives before we ended up with our respective spouses and, um, and have that story because that really improves upon the richest richness of the story, having them come together at the end. What do you think, Jenny? Same too thing. Much away. No, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely, I 100 percent agree with what Danielle says. Also, it's interesting that you've made the um, Edith Wharton connection. I mean, I think we we both love Edith Wharton. She's among among our favorite authors. I love Age of Innocence, um, but I also think we were conscious of, you know, I think Edith. Edith Wharton has this really fine sense of novel of manners and the social interactions, um, but they can be quite sad. And I think we both wanted to write a book that had a little more levity <laughs> um, and left the reader a, a little more hopeful and lighthearted. Um, so that was it was part of our, our writing process. But we do love like her attention to detail and all those social interactions. Speaking of that, there's a line in the book, and I hope you guys don't mind if I read just a couple of lines. I won't be giving anything away, but um, one of the lines says, the crowded cloakrooms, the lemonades and ices, the smell of cologne mingling with the scent of lilies and lavender, all covering the less pleasant smell of perspiration. And I'm thinking to myself, how to, and that, that was, you know, Age of Innocence, you know, the attention to detail. How did you guys know how things smelled in that period? And we should say what the period of time is that the book is written. 
Sure. It, so it's written in the, it, the, it's set in the 1860s and 1870s, um, predominantly in England, although the characters go on journeys both to India and to America. Um, I, I think a, we, we did do a fair amount of research. And um, one of the great things about this particular period is it is, it's well documented. Um, first of all, there were a lot of writers through the Victorian era who we love to read and they get, they give you sort of a picture of, of their world because they're writers from the time writing about their world. Um, we also, we found um, good primary sources. Um, so there were, you know, letters that were written. We, we read, almost, it was sort of a collection of letters from this young man who had gone to India. He was a, was a British young man who had gone to India and he wrote home. And so we could see what he wrote. Um, there's also a great book called Mrs. Beaton's Guide to Household Management. You may have heard of it. It's like a famous Victorian. It's thick. It's like three inches thick of all the um it has menus that you would not believe but you could really you could kind of see like what things would have smelled like and tasted like through these sources that is absolutely what one of the best accounts um i i think i originally discovered this and we both did research for the book so we both found now we can't even remember because it happened so long ago who found what where but my favorite um sort of firsthand account was of um a woman's presentation to the queen. And and that's sort of what we based the presentation scene off of. And it was so rich with detail, like down to the way that the room looked and the, the paintings on the walls. And it was so rich with detail that it really brought it to life. So we were lucky to be able to find that kind of wonderful firsthand accounts that gave us, you know, helped us give the book that sense of place. One of the, Didn't we even find out about Victoria, Queen Victoria's perfume? And yes, like, yes. Like, I love that yeah. scene in the book. I absolutely loved it. And that, that's one of the things that I love about historical fiction. And, and there is, it, I have not found recently uh, books in that genre. Maybe you can speak to that in a second, you know, in terms of uh, are there other books out there that are, that are still using historical fiction? But you learn so much. And that, that really came to life for me. Um, and also, there, there's talk. You, you talked about India and and what was going on there. Had no idea about that. And then you also brought it back to America, and the main character Crispin is is, is you know he understands the railroad business because he's worked it in India, and now he comes to America. I'm sorry. He's he need, his opinion is asked about what's going on in the America uh, situation in in the growth of the train industry. And you would have thought, like just being a not knowing anything, you would have just thought that the anybody who invested in American tr railroads would have made money. And yet that's not exactly what happened according to what you guys wrote. Yeah, actually that was that was a funny. So another firsthand account we found was actually, it was, it was a pr prospectus for the Northern Pacific Railway investment. And I actually found it on Google. And it was amazing because, so I'm in, I'm in finance and, and, um, and I, I found the prospectus and I shared it with Jenny and I was like, isn't this awesome? Can you believe this? She said, it sounds like a great investment. And I said, this is terrible. Can you believe the way they wrote this? They literally wrote in their prospectuses, um, you know, you're not going to lose any money, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is just so unsafe for anybody looking at an investment. Um, but it, it is, it was, uh, you know, yes, at the time you would think that, you know, economies were booming, you know, America was such a growth place, 
But this was probably, I mean, there's many bubbles over the course of economic history. This was a really interesting bubble because it's so closely paralleled for us, the one that had been happening right before we um, started writing the book, the 2008 crisis. And, um, and it was very similar. So we really enjoyed kind of getting into the details and researching that um, because it paralleled, you know, the current time, the then current time. Wow, I didn't pick that up as I read it, but you're right. It really yeah. did. And all oh, the, the, well, I don't want to give anything away, but the way the last season is the name of the book. Um, <laughs> just the way you wrote about what went on with the, the pain and the heartbreak and the, oh, and, and the, you know, as a reader, you're reading and you're thinking, don't do it. And then, yeah, anyway. So, um, <laughs> Again, the we are talking about the last season, and we're speaking with authors um, Jenny Judson and Danielle Mafood. And you can also find them on their Instagram. That's Danny D A N I and spell it out Jenny J E N N Y dot authors. And that's on Instagram. So another question I had for you guys was there was one scene, and of course, when you know, whenever you're writing a book and there's a there's a love interest. Generally, there's like a makeout scene or, you know, dare I say sex scene. Was it because, you know, as we know, there are some books out there that really take advantage of that opportunity and they and they go crazy. You know, I'm thinking Fifty Shades of Grey, but yours was very um, it was great. It was a great it was a great scene, but it wasn't it wasn't like crazy over the top, you know, horrible. And that made it even more delicious. So tell me. (laughs) How hard was that one to write? <laughs> what a great question. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, we when we were in high school, that's when where we met, we used to love to read these books. We loved historical fiction, but we also loved romance, right? Like we sort of went between the two genres. And I think um, some of the like old school romance novels are are like that. They're just like that little taste, that little teaser but it doesn't take over the whole book. And so you have um, a little bit of steam, (laughs) um, but you don't, it's, that's not what the whole book is about. And um, I think we made a conscious decision because actually when when we started writing was when we started writing, I think 50 shades of gray and the three, the, the multiple books, they were, it was still early in the buzz about them. We, we made a conscious choice. We were like, well, we could go that direction or not. And we decided not. Yeah. And we have had that feedback as people have read it over the years, you know, before it was published. It's like, well, you know, you could have had some more steamy sex scenes. And we, as Jenny said, made the decision not to do that because um, I think, and I, I think we both feel that the anticipation or the, um, you know, what you don't see on the page, but what you know is happening is is more, can be more, more sexy than actually seeing it on the page. Yeah. And if you're true, if you're true to the time period as well, I mean, I know um, Bridgerton, you know, there was, you know, all that craziness in that show. And uh, my daughters have seen that. Oh my gosh, my adult daughters, they're adults. <laughs> but, but I'm thinking to myself, I, I saw a little bit of it and I turn it on. I'm like, oh, that didn't happen. I mean, maybe it happened. I don't know. But these girls in the Victoria age, they were they were modest, right? I mean, I oh, yeah. I, yeah, marriage mm-hmm. was important before we did that stuff, right? Or am I wrong? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, to be to be honest, what you'll see is um, uh, 
the the governess is the, the the relationship of the governess is is a bit of a vehicle to have that in the story without having it with Cassandra because she is young and because she's unmarried and before getting married you just didn't do anything and you know we tried to be true to it all but let's be honest we also that probably even what we what we wrote might not have actually happened at the time right. but we didn't go so far that it was like Bridgerton esque right so. Yeah, that was a pretty and, sexy scene, though, the barn scene. I know you're talking about, yeah. ooh, that was pretty The barn good. scene is. The barn scene is sexy, even though you don't really see anything. Exactly. Yeah. One of our early readers uh, is a, a great friend of ours who is a voracious reader. And we had, I think we had written about 60 pages at the time. And we were trying to figure out, where, are we going to do this? So we gave it to her to read. And, she, and the barn scene was in it. And uh, she, get, she, she got back to us with some wonder, great feedback that really helped us. But she was like, I was reading the, that scene in the park. And kind of, you know, getting, getting a little uh, red in the face as I read it. <laughs> Yeah, my husband really appreciates you guys because, yeah, we got busy that night. Let me tell you, after I read that, I'm like, come here, Crispin. I mean, Joe. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. no seriously. I mean, and you need, I, I don't know. I, I Years ago, 100 years ago, I was a babysitter, and I remember babysitting for this this couple that we babysat for all the time, me and my girlfriend. And um, they went and saw um, oh, uh, an officer and a gentleman. And I'll never forget this. I was kind of young, like 12, 13. And she came back and I said, well, how was it? And she said, she said, it was good. She said, there was, you know, there's a lot of sex in it. She said, but you need that. And I'm like, you need that? Like, what is she talking about? And it wasn't until I got married that I understood what she was talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you need that. So you need a little part of that in your book. And I, I so appreciate that you included that. So why you brought up the process a little bit. So that was another thing. When I found out there were two authors to this book, I thought, how do you do that? How do two people write a book? So we, you, you want first. To okay, I'll start. So, um, so, you know, we, that question comes up a lot. And I think a lot of the people who've read the book can't, can't really believe that it's two people because it doesn't, it feels like one voice. But so we were, um, so a couple things contributed to that. The first is when we started writing the book, it was originally conceived of as a first person narrative from three perspectives. So at the time, one was Crispin, one was Cassandra, and one was Miss Fairfax, governess. And so each of us took a voice and we split the third voice. So it did help in the beginning, we realized. Um, but what we did was we would kind of get together, map out the story, and then, you know, give us each other homework, homework assignments for different scenes, take it back. And we'd write those scenes up and then we'd come back together and read it aloud to each other, which really helped us smooth out the voice. And then eventually we had to switch it to the third person, which was a massive rewrite. But you still kind of by then, you know, so many years in that we had learned to write basically like each other. And it, that's why it, it seems like it's written by one person. Got it. And how's it? The, yeah, go ahead, Jenny. I was just going to say the book had been a long time in the making in that like the seeds of the idea were planted way back when we were in high school together. And um we used to uh, in in class write these little notes um, when we were a little bored in class rather than write notes personally to each other we'd write like little scenes from romantic novels sort of as like a tongue-in-cheek joke so I would write about Danielle and whoever she had a crush on and so in 
in our yearbook, I actually said to Danielle, like, oh, the first trashy book is going to be dedicated to you. And it became this longstanding joke between the two of us that we do it. One day when we were we were both living in New York City, we had gone to see this movie, The Young Victoria, on a rainy day. We come out of it was a rainy afternoon. We come out and Danielle's Danielle says, We're gonna write that book right now. We're starting right now. And so I think we it had always been kind of for fun, you know, and I think that helped us not take ourselves too seriously, but also, you know, I think we we blended taking ourselves seriously enough to get it done, but not taking ourselves so seriously that we had, you know, creative differences. We always were able to work together and, mm-hmm. and bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah. And that helped a lot too, because you know, when you're and we've been asked this question a lot too, like, how did you not have differences? Like, how did you not get upset with each other because of a certain word or phrase? And again, I think because we read aloud to each other, it was almost like the words of one person became the words of both people. And so, you know, could say, well, why don't we just change that word to this? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Now it feels like we're both good with it. And as and again, as Jenny said, we didn't take each other too seriously. So oftentimes we were doing that with a glass of wine in our hands. Um, you know. Wine helps. Things- it wine helps. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you you did a really fantastic job, and uh, you you've been a you, couple of times. You mentioned the timing. How long from? Mm, I hate to put you on the spot here, but start to finish. I mean, we have a lot of aspiring writers who listen to the show. I'm wondering if you can um, tell them about that process and if you have any advice for them. <laughs> so we, I guess that that movie, Young Victoria, I think it came out in 2009. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's yes. that's gives you a sense of timing, um, and we had we walked uh, right from the movie to a Barnes and Nobles and looked at the historical fiction works on the shelf. Um, found there wasn't much in that period at the time, so we thought, oh, that's we really love the Victorian era. We're gonna we're gonna focus on that. But um, so then I think we it probably took us about six five or six years to get a full manuscript. And at the end of that, we we felt like we needed to have some other eyes on it. So we looked for an editor who would take a look at it and give us some feedback. Um, did that, got some great feedback. That's when we made the we got the advice to turn it into a third person narr- narration. And that took us about another I don't know year or two to rewrite because it was a f- wholesale rewrite. Um, and after that, we we pitched it to agents. And we were really fortunate. We pitched it to just a few agents, three or four, who who we had heard of through friends and contacts and asking around. And um, we, this woman, Kimberly Brower, who has her literary agency, took us on. We were so excited. Um, so it took it took a while. It took perseverance, I would say. <laughs> that was. Yeah. It did. It took a lot of kind of lifting each other up throughout the process. So we had so many fits and starts, you know, in that time, we both, you know, got married, advanced our careers, I had some kids, like, you know, it all sort of, you you had to start and stop. We probably took several months off around Jenny's wedding, right? We took, you know, several months off, you know, but by the time I was I was pregnant and delivering my children. We were actually in the editing phase and the pitching phase. So that was a little bit easier, but in the, in the writing phase, we definitely took big chunks of time off. I mean, I think the advice that I would give to an aspiring author is a 
don't be disheartened by our 11-year journey to this place. I think it's 11 years because it doesn't, doesn't work out for everybody that way. I'm sure some people do it much faster than we did. But just don't give up. Don't give up and don't take yourself too seriously because yep. if you do – then you, you might give up. <laughs> yep, yep. And we have one other, uh, another author who came on and talked to us about the importance of beta readers. And you mentioned that you had other people reading your works. Was that something that you would suggest as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd add to Danielle's advice two two other things, right? One, you know, don't be afraid to show it to people and get advice because um, it's it's hard to see it yourself when you've been in it for so long. And the other thing is having a partner. I mean, for us, we're co-authors, so we are partners by nature. But I think you can find writing partners, even if you're an author, writing it on your own. But um, for me, like having Danielle was invaluable because she's we're, we're sort of yin and yang sorts. Like she's a project manager. She's setting deadlines, calendar. I'm a little bit more on the creative side. And we needed each other to to kind of keep things moving forward. Um, having that other person is great. Yep. Now, I like the way you also wrote the book first. You know, there's all kinds of theories on how you should go about getting your book published. And some people maybe write a query or start talking to agents about their idea. And I'm, I'm in the camp of how you guys did it. You know, if you really want to write a book, write it. You know, see if you have the fortitude to actually write it and then and then go from there. What do you guys think? Yeah, we also were told as first time authors that you have to have your full manuscript. You have to, you know, that the the query letter pitch, pitching was not going to work. We had to send the whole manuscript. And for fiction. So like for nonfiction, I think it's different. But for fiction and because we're first time authors, absolutely. So we... Um, and that's why it took so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand you had your first book sign. Was it your first book signing or it was a book signing this past weekend? It was a book it signing. It was a book, book signing. Yeah. So what was that yeah. like? Like, what? Go back to your first book signing. What was that like as new authors? We had, I mean, so we've had... Um, We've had a few, yeah. but not you know we're we are not seasoned in <laughs> in this field yet. But we the the first one we had was at a local bookstore in my town. It's this great place called Booksy Galore. You can actually order the book through Booksy Galore. They have been huge supporters, and um, they the I mean independent bookstores are great, right? They're run by real people. You can talk to them. And so they said, well, we'd love to have an event here. And they planned an English tea themed book signing. So we we read, we did a and a and then we signed the book. And it was, it was a really lovely afternoon. That sounds great. I yeah, I think it was actually good for our first time because it was it was almost like we, you know we were on stage you know doing a reading which we had certainly never done before, <laughs> and um, but the Q and A part I think warmed us up because what we what we've realized is it was a good format to sort of sort of pitch the book you know like describe the book to potential readers um, without having to do it within like you know, your elevator pitch right. <laughs> while they come over to the table. So I'm glad we had that experience because the one that we just had at Elm Street Books in New Canaan, Connecticut was really, really terrific. We were, we kind of were a little bit more seasoned and could effectively talk to, you know, 
total strangers about what our book was about, you know, in person. I mean, it's different to do a podcast because you can you're speaking to one person and, you know, that person has read the book. And so it's different. So this is, um, it was, it was great. So our, our book Seagalore experience certainly helped us with uh, the, the rest of the ones that we've had. Are you feeling like celebrities? Seriously? <laughs> no, no, I don't no, think so. No. I don't think so. We're on like we're because we we've, we've done a number of events. We've been in front of people a little more than I think um, certainly than I'm used to. Um, I, well, I'm a teacher by by trade, by that's my day job. So I guess I'm often in front of a classroom, but it's very different than being in front of a, a group of people about a book. Um, Danielle, I feel like you're, you often have more presentations. Yeah, I mean, I like. present to large groups of people. So speaking in public, it's not a concern of mine, but, but usually I'm speaking about something I'm the expert in, but that isn't mine. So what's weird is that this is ours. It's our content, and like as you know, as my brother used to say to me, like he, he, had, you know, had written screenplays in the past. To say like, well, he's you're the talent now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, it's a little weird. It is a little weird, uh, but um, but I don't think we feel like we're famous yet. <laughs> <laughs> not not yet, not yet. We have a little ways to go. Yeah. There you go. But it is, I mean, when you're in that position, you're, sell, you're selling yourself. And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to sell themselves. Um, but what I like to say is that you're, you're not really selling. You've provided a gift that people already want. And that is, you know, a great story where you learn something and there's a little es- escape you know, there and it's just entertaining and it just makes you feel good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So tell me this. Um, what is next? And and where can folks find you? What's the best place to find you? And what's next for you guys? Are you going to write another book? Yeah. So I'll start. So um, we are, I think we're definitely going to write another book. So I, this is, a, as Jenny was saying um, earlier, we, kind of maybe about four years in, when we were kind of finalizing, eh, like 75% through the manuscript, we were on on the, you know, what was then Zoom, I don't know what it was called then, maybe Skype, <laughs> that's how we communicated. And um, we were like, gosh, I really love Archie. And that's a character. Oh, I book. love Archie. And I, was like, and I was like, I was like, I'm kind of in love with him. Yeah. And then Jenny was like, I'm kind of in love with him too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, so. You know, this was way, way, way long time ago. We're like, if we're writing a second book, we're writing it about Archie. <clears throat> and I think that's what we are right now. We're starting to put together our ideas for Archie's story and how that will uh, progress forward. Yeah, because he was a character where you're, he really was the wisdom in the end. And you didn't expect that because of what his lifestyle seemed to be. So the backstory is going to be fantastic on him, I think. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a rake and a playboy, but he also has substance. So I think that was, all of that came together for us. We we're like, oh, we really we really like him. It's funny because we have had a few readers um, either email us or or text. Us. Some of them are our friends, but we've had emails too that say, I want to know about Archie and what happens to him. And so we've we've gotten some questions about it, and we've even gotten some suggestions about what should happen. So. <laughs> We are, as we contemplate this next book, we're kind of pulling that all together, thinking about where, where we're going to go. 
Um, nice. To it's your like question about where to find us, we're um, so we have a we have a website, dannyandjenny.com. So it's D A N I and Jenny with a Y dot com. And, and you can email us through that website. Um, there's a contact us button and we, we get it. We get an email and it goes straight to us. It doesn't go to anyone else. It doesn't um, go to your then, staff and then maybe your staff. <laughs> staff. No, no, no staff. <laughs> My six-year-old daughter who's learning to read. No, she's no. not reading the emails. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Okay. So just since we have just one more minute, wondering since you both love the genre so much and you grew up with it and you were in high school passing notes to each other um, about, you know, possible Victorian scenes, what are your favorite? Do you, would, do you have a book recommendation that would be a favorite recommendation in that so genre? Many. Mm-hmm. So many. There's so oh, many. Okay. Jenny, I think yeah. you should start. We- uh, so I think we're we both are voracious readers. I re, so right now um, on my bedside table is Amor Tolls' new book Lincoln Highway because his books Rules of Civility, Gentlemen in Moscow are great. Um, we both love Philippa Gregory's books. Yeah. If you haven't tackled those, mm-hmm. they're fantastic in the historical fiction genre. Um, in terms of sort of the the quote unquote classics, you know we. Uh, live and breathe by Jane Austen. Um, so that's, you know, lo- just everything she's written, particularly Pride and Prejudice. Um, I think, Danielle, you've got, you've got others too. Yeah, there's- so I've got others. Well, there's one book that I've been even trying to get Jenny to read, yeah. but she won't read it. Um, because, well, so, so we have, um, so we, we both love Victorian. We love Regency period. Um we love the Tudor period. That's where you can see Philip Philip Gregory come out short as well, like Tudor period. But there is a period uh, pre that where there was a book that I was recommended to me years ago that I adore. Um, it's called Catherine, and it's written by Anya Seaton. And so this is very old school historical romance. It might have been written in the 30s or 40s. Not, not as old school as Jane Austen. So it's still like a romance, more modern, but very old in that sense um and it's just a just a lovely 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 read um but it's definitely medieval so you have to really be ready for medieval mm-hmm. uh if you're going to read that one we're going to be yeah, besties absolutely. because i have two copies of that book i got it as a paperback and i and then i found it at a used bookstore as a hardback it is one of my favorite books it is amazing thank you yes, so now claudine claudine agrees and yeah. jenny you need to read it yeah john john of reading yeah. it but- Right. It's amazing. I mean, the, the part, the fact that that's even happened mm-hmm. is unbelievable. That that is historical yes. is what's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. that's how Danielle has yeah. read passages aloud to me. Oh, she yes. Loves Please read this. Read this. <laughs> My gosh, it really is. It is. It's, it's such a wonderful book. And um, I was going to say people are into the Tudors and they're into Henry VIII. So Henry VIII's father... Um, was descendant from Margaret yeah. Beaufort, who was descended from John of Galt, who was, yes. who, and, and this was his child with her, right? Yes, right. Yeah, his with mistress. Catherine. Yes, yes. Catherine's mm-hmm. was his mistress. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Don't you mm-hmm. love how they bend the rules? You know, it's, you know they, it, they had children, he, she was his mistress, and they just changed the rules. Yeah, they can yeah. inherit. He just yeah. changed the law to legitimize her. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. It's like the most, they legitimized their children yeah. and then married her. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. But they so, were in love, and she was no yeah. dummy. I mean, she, she was a smart yeah. lady. She knew how to. She knew how to work it, but went through a lot of suffering, too. A week ago, yeah. on and on. Great book. That's a great book. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for for providing us with a fantastic escape this holiday season and beyond. And we look forward to your next book. I hope you guys will come back and interview with us again. Yes, of course. Thank you. We'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've been speaking with Jenny Judson and Danielle Mafood. Their book, The Last Season, is available wherever books are sold. You can also find them at their website, dannyandjenny.com. Thanks so much for being with us, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk, my Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com. Sign up for my newsletter today.